What's up, guys? It's Tommy. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Mullybox. Have you hit the links yet this spring? Let me guess. You're probably like me and lost more than a couple balls during your round. That's where Mullybox comes in. Mullybox is the monthly subscription that sends you a gift box every month with balls, tees, and some awesome accessories or tools to take your golf game to the next level. So whether you're chunking it up at the local Muni or striping it up and down country club links, Mullybox has the perfect perfect fit for any golfer. And now using our link in the, in the episode description, you can get an extra accessory. And by using the promo code R10, you get $10 off your first box. That's a beer and a hot dog on the turn on Mullybox. Again, use the link in the episode description and use promo code R10 to elevate your your gear game to the next level with Mullybox today. And now, let's get into the episode. Hungry dogs run fast, and that's the can wait. Come kick it in the break room. And here we go. What is up? Another episode of the break room. We're locked. We're loaded. It's Masters Week. The National Championship just finished up. We have an awesome episode locked and loaded for you with an interview with Mark Diana Golf Bets 101 to preview the Masters Huh, Sam, how are you, my friend? Doing good. You know, it's a good weekend. I uh, got out for a little day drinking on Saturday. Uh, cooked up some, cooked up some uh, Louisiana cooking. Uh, enjoyed a good uh, Saturday night. Gumbo? Not gumbo, pastelaya. Crawdads? No, pastelaya. The fuck is pastelaya? It's like jambalaya, but with spaghetti noodles instead of uh, rice. That actually sounds a lot better than jambalaya. Uh, don't yeah. slander jambalaya, but the I'm, not best slandering, way, I'm not slandering jambalaya. I'm best, Italian, and the Dago in me wants some pasta. The best part of the pastalaya is like you so like you, you're brewing the meat, and like it's in this sauce, and you serve it up on little po' boy breads, and you get to like have like a little French dip with all the meat and everything going. It's awesome. Pobalias is what they call it. Rex, how yeah. are you, buddy? Ah. Uh, the long time has came in where now we just have NBA, NHL, MLB for the foreseeable future. So, boy, let's get this draft up here pretty quick. <laughs> Rude. It sound it sounds like March is taking its a, a effect on Rex. Like you can just hear it in his voice. Yeah, you can hear it. Rex. <laughs> Rex has been defeated by the month of March. I'm ready to sleep. I've been looking forward to this day big time. It's Some like, would say we sleep in April. It's like the end of uh, end game. Just you can rest now, Rex. You can rest. Good. I'll wake up <laughs> next uh, next August. Just skip all the rest of the time. Uh. All right. So what do we want to lead off with? Do we want to lead off with the game? Have to. All right. So Baylor defeats Gonzaga pretty convincingly to give us a national champion. Baylor with a, with a bit of a snoozer in the Battle of Texas over as they as they defeat Houston to get there, and then 
wiping the floor with Gonzaga as Gonzaga survived and advanced against UCLA with the buzzer beater from Jalen Suggs, but did not have uh, anything left in the tank to combat the Baylor Bears. How did we how do we feel? Let's start with the final four. How did you guys feel about about the buzzer beater? Because obviously the, the, the Baylor Houston game is a bit of a snoozer. Sam, you were bouncing off the walls. Oh, day, I was day drinking all day, right up until and like all night up to that point. And I, I think I just sprinted around like the backyard screaming, I love March, like high <laughs> stepping it like the ref. Like it was it was one of the most it was like I, I on Sunday I was saying I think that's like one of the top easily one of the top five like non LSU sports moments I've ever just like sat down and watched live. Really? It just it felt so big, like the undefeated season on the line, iconic shot right at the buzzer, like, and I mean it was it was incredible. It was something I'll always remember where I was watching that. That's fair, Rex. What about you? The luck of the Bruins, I guess, finally ran out where they they survived two late buzzer beaters in two games in OT. Then it finally caught up to them. But Jalen Suggs probably should be the number one overall pick. Didn't have the hottest start today, but bounced back with still 22. Just probably the coolest dude in the uh, that will be in the NBA soon. That yeah. that uh, UCLA game made me earn – they earned, like, my respect because going to the – I had trashed them the entire tournament, saying they played an ugly brand of basketball. Houston, they just played exactly they, – they are who we thought they were. And then UCLA, they actually played – Gonzaga as good as possible like they made it an entertaining game to watch and I enjoyed that that's what we needed and I felt like that this tournament needed that because if we didn't get that game and then we got tonight as the ending tournament kind of sucked I was gonna say do we do we feel that the, the Gonzaga buzzer beater did enough to make this tournament memorable versus like a Villanova or North Carolina buzzer beater uh yeah, I mean the the Villanova one's always gonna be number one because it was for the championship, in my eyes at least. But the the Gonzaga one, like that's kind of our generation's Leitner shot outside of the Villanova one. It's a real shame that everyone's gonna think the Sug shot was in the finals, and then they'll go back and remember it was the Final Four. Then they just got drubbed in the finals. So it's a good way to put. I guess Gonzaga is finally having a solid run, even though they came up big limp dick in the finals. But it was the most dominant dominant they've looked so far in the tournament throughout. Do we got to start talking curse with Gonzaga? No. They just, it's, it's every year. Like they don't play anybody for. Three months, three, three of the four months of the regular season. And I mean, even the, Games before that don't even really matter, so it's an exhibition at that point. Whenever games finally like start to matter, guys like Adam Morrison and uh, Kispert and all these guys they just fold. Fair enough. I like, think it suck. could be coming down to coaching more than anything else because the writing started to be on the wall with Gonzaga, where they were still pulling out games, winning by double digits, but really never played anyone in their path, and they never shot well. And then tonight where Baylor kind of just got unconscious from three, what they what they 
do sometimes. It just seemed like few got out coached there, and Drew just kind of owned them the whole night right from the start. But now, I mean, isn't isn't there a thing to that where like, I mean, we can we can talk about the players like they get lulled to sleep during their conference run. Can't the coaching get lulled to sleep at some point too? Because speaking from experience as a coach, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same thing. Like Mark View doesn't have to coach a game. Like he's he's coaching like a CYO team. Like he doesn't. He just has to call timeouts whenever his guys are tired and sub accordingly. Like he doesn't have to do any real coaching outside of that because they're just so much more talented than everyone they play in conference. And I was gonna say when when you never get punched in the mouth during a season when you finally do get punched in the mouth, it's like, oh, this this is new. What do we do now? And I think that that's definitely a factor. And especially in like a winner go home scenario. Like mm-hmm. it it just make they can't bounce back. Like they can't just rely on their shooting because like like they have in all other games. Like someone else is gonna step up. Like Jalen Suggs was the only guy in this game who acted different for Gonzaga. Cause like he took on the challenge. He was still making plays and hitting big shots, trying to bring his team back, but no one else could. Like Timmy went away, stupid fucking handlebar uh, celebration, get out of here. And then Kispert and Nimhard uh, regressed, looked like, I mean, Kispert, I don't know how you take him lottery after that. Baylor just looked like a bunch of grown men tonight when Gonzaga – went out there, just thought they would advance on their talent. You're right. Sug was the only one who stepped up. And I think it's just because Baylor did what teams could do to Gonzaga where they couldn't wear one. They just got Timmy in any sort of isolation. They just got the floor real spread out, did a pick and roll, and then just beat them consistently one-on-one. It's not like they were running that many great sets. They were just beating them to the basket. And Kispert on both ends of the floor got exposed. I wish I would have thought about this coming into tonight, but in the words of John Gruden, hindsight's 50-50. But I almost would fade undefeated teams in these high-pressure must-win games. Because you're calling college kids a bunch of mental midgets? Yes. I guess I am. I guess I am. But yeah, I mean, I think just it's not even the the mental midget factor of it. It's the never been tested factor of it. Yeah, they tried to get that one test in the championship game against BYU, but that's BYU. Mm-hmm. And you're not. I mean, BYU made the tournament, but you're not going to see by BYU Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four championship. Yeah, I mean, they got blown out in the first round by UCLA. I mean, the 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 like undefeated pressure added on top of like having to win a national championship. That's pressure enough. Like mm-hmm. Bay- Baylor and Gonzaga both have to deal with that, but Gonzaga always has to deal with. There's there hasn't been a team do what you're trying to do since 1976. And credit and, to you, credit to you, Sam. Who was that team? Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, oh, speaking of which, Final Four. I was in a, I was in a house of horrors. I was getting heckled again for my gambling bets because I was with all <laughs> Hoosier fans, and they were all cheering for UCLA. And I was just sitting there losing money on Gonzaga, hand over fist, and they were just all like clapping in my face and shit. It was, it's two weekends in a row. I can't do this. You have bad friends. 
<laughs> you do these have bad my, friends. These are my parents. Oh, well. <laughs> you, you don't get to choose those, so you're just shit out of luck. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate, my friend. Yeah. Shout out to the Hoosiers, though. Still have the record. That's the only thing they have left. So. <laughs> <laughs> All the Hoosiers have left. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so anything else on the Natty Boys? Vital has to be didn't, didn't get any, like, big game call. After getting one of the better ones, this game just never really had any moment for any good call. It was kind of just them milking it out the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say Vital has to get Jim Nance's tire, right? That's such a stupid tradition. I don't even care. It is a stupid tradition. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing my pick. Any, like, you want it, I think, like, like, I've talked about Sister Jean making it about herself. Jim Nance maybe as big of a hog as you can get in the moment. And like, let's say you are the senior that gets Jim Nance's tie. Do you, you don't do anything. No, you don't I was do like, Do you nail it to the wall? Do you wear it? Do Throw you it in your closet it? with all your other ties. <sighs> uh, unless I, that, unless yeah. that tie is like an, an invitation. Like if I present that to him at the door and I can like go play his Pebble Beach backyard course. Like if I can do that <laughs> with the tie. Then yeah, I'm keeping that shit. <laughs> not, it's, got, just... it's got a tag on the back, and it says this tie can be exchanged for one round of golf at Jim Nance's house, and it just says the address and business hours. Uh, <laughs> That's what we got to do. We got to find somebody who's gotten Jim Nance's tie and get them. Oh, the show. I do want to say the I want to kind of revert back or like take a step back on a take I previously had. Jim oh. Nance on Final Four. That was a big game. He felt like a big game voice there. It felt good. It felt really? like a little bigger. I think maybe it's college basketball, but NFL, he doesn't feel like as much of a big game voice because not all of them can be a big game voice to you. But in college basketball, you hear that and him and then Bill Rafter he just coming in after with him, the major onions. Like that just it felt good. Hello again, my friends. Just hits for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now I'm gonna go back to sleep with Jim Nance this weekend, but I mean, you're saying so that doesn't hit for you for the Masters? It hits for college basketball, but doesn't hit for the Masters? Well, I don't think you can have like a big game voice for golf because oh, I you strongly can... disagree. I don't think you can. I... Sam's wrong. Okay, I'm gl- I'm glad that you agree with me here, Rex. I don't Put think that it... one to bed pretty no, quickly. No, 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 no. I don't think no, it's Jim Nance that you're does wrong. it for me. You're wrong. I think no. I think it's the, you get the Masters piano and like the CBS music behind Jim Nance makes him sound better. But Jim Nance on his own, just being like, "Hello, friends," like no, Vern does it for me more than Jim Nance. That's because you. That, that, here's the thing: your Pavlovian response to Vern Lundquist is to get a chubby because you're thinking it's the CBS music oh, and you're about to watch. God, no. You're about no, to watch no, LSU no, no, beat no. Kentucky. You are so wrong here because I had to listen to that. Okay, I almost said something I better regret, but no. I had to listen to that old bag, air breathe, like mouth breathe into the mic for five years past his prime, and I had to deal with that every Saturday. That sucked. But him and golf with like the Tiger Woods, and everything he he does it for me. I think it's just like that Tiger Woods call. It's not Jim Nance. It's Vern Lundquist. I'm I'm not going to tell you the way you feel is wrong, but that's what the, you're doing. 
It is what I'm doing. You're right. And I'm going to do that to you when you talk baseball. So, we're <laughs> so, so I will say this just to, 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 to put a bow on the announcing conversation. I don't think that the uh, one like hearing a voice for a certain sport is one way or another. I think you just have big game voice and, and Jim Nance has big game voice. And when Joe Buck did the U S open a couple years ago, that gave it big game voice to me. I'm a big, big fan of big game voices. I'll agree with you on Joe Buck because he did it for golf for me. Really? I was not expecting that take out of you. Dude, Fox on Fox saved golf because they introduced every shot having shot tracer. So thank you to Fox because without them, we're all screwed. Just hope that's like blindly staring at a screen, hoping to find a little white ball. All right. All right. So let's get to Mark Diana with the Masters preview as uh, we get ready for what Sam would say is what? Greatest weekend in golf? Yeah. I had a little inner debate in my head for U.S. Open weekend, but yeah, I'm going with Masters. All right. Greatest weekend in golf coming your way. Mark Diana gets ready right now. We now welcome on the very first recurring guest in the history of the break room. It is Mark Diana. It is Golf Bets 101. Mark, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing great. Doing great. It's Masters week. And uh, man, Sam, I know you get juiced up for the Masters. What does this Masters feel like maybe differently than the other one has? Uh, this year, I mean, or I guess last year, is it just... It was nice to get the tournament and that, like, it wasn't canceled, that, like, the COVID didn't get the tournament like it did the British Open. But, I mean, it just feels better in uh, in April. Like, you got the flowers blooming and everything, all the colors popping on the screen. It's totally different. It's, I think it's just a totally different feel in April. And, like, the Masters uh, – Twitter account is just hammering that home, like with all their videos that they're releasing this week. They're undefeated on Twitter, by the way. No one can stop them. Mark, do you feel the same way about it? Yeah, I do. I feel like last year it was good to get it in, but it, like Sam said, it, it almost felt forced. Like something about like the magic of the Masters kind of felt like it was like man-made last year, not as like organic. So going back to April, you had the players a couple of weeks ago, which is another big tournament. You kind of like it kind of builds into the season a little bit better with where it is right now. I get that for sure, for sure. And it also, it also takes away that it was just a blowout from like start to finish. So that that kind of takes it away. Whereas in like 2019, 2018, you had drama down the on the back nine. So I just hope that comes and comes back again. Is there an asterisk next to last year's champion, or is it no, a real question. one? No, great question. No, no not at no, all. No, no. Let, let the expert let the expert answer. He's an expert in gambling. He, he said he didn't even play golf last time. So, Okay, fine. Regardless, the, Mark, is there an asterisk? I'd still say no. I mean, even though it was a little bit different conditions, he still went out there and shot 20 under, which, yeah, he probably wouldn't have shot 20 under in April, but he, he controlled that entire tournament. He still had to go out there and win it. I, I don't think there's an asterisk next to it. If we want to put an asterisk next to his course record, I'll, I'll, that's a discussion. I'll buy that. But if we want to do it for the champion, I mean, he won by five shots. I mean, he was, if he shot 17 under, he still won by two. So 
Yes, okay. I would, just okay. for Tiger's sake, I will say, yes, there's an asterisk next to the course record. I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll buy that. All right, so, Mark, going into the week here, um, how are you approaching the, uh, the the tournament from a gambling perspective, just in general? Yeah, so for me, I have five outrights. I normally do five outrights every single tournament. Um, I don't normally go as top-heavy with my card, but this week I went with Justin Thomas and John Rahm at top, both of them at 12.5 to 1. And then I took three guys, Daniel Berger at 39, Cam Smith at 40, and Paul Casey at 40. The first two guys, Rahm and Justin Thomas, those were, if you ask me, odds independent, who's going to win this week? Those are the two guys I'm going to tell you that are going to win this week. The other three guys were a little bit more like, I think there's value in the odds that they had, getting close to 40 on all of them. There is reason for me to bet on them. But I, I really think Justin Thomas has just been trending for this for this tournament, and John Rahm hasn't won a, a major championship yet, and he's played well at the Masters before. He had his baby, got that out of the way, a little bit less stress in terms of like his mental game. I, I think those two guys are going to be doing it out on Sunday. So this is this kind of where someone who looks at this like smartly and intelligently and like analytically meet clashes with me because John Rahm is the biggest mental head case on the PGA Tour. Like he's bound to kill somebody at some point just because of his anger issues, but like less men- mental pressure from yes, the baby being born helps, but like there he can only go he can't go like down because he's already the worst there is on tour yeah yeah that's a fair point uh i I just think in terms of like statistically what i was looking for he fit almost every single one of those to a t um and and for me like i look at it a lot more through like the stroke scan data and maybe some trends you can throw in there along with it and he was just kind of knocking every single box everything was just perfect for him i i I really think he is going to be a major champion. Uh, I, I do think the Masters is probably a stretch if I'm going to choose any one of them, but it's just everything is kind of like aligning at this moment for me to be like on John Rahm. All right, so you talked about he, he checks the boxes. I don't want to, you know, give away your your model, but at the same time, I am interested what stats are are, are those boxes compiling of? Like like if I'm, if I'm trying to build a golfer to succeed in this tournament, what what's uh, attributes, what uh, statistics come to mind for you when you're looking at Augusta? Yeah, so Augusta's a par 72. All of the par fives are going to be the holes where you need to make birdies on them. Over the last 20 years, the winners of the Masters have all made about a, an average score of like eight under on the par fives. You need to score on about half of your par fives that you're going to see this week. John Rahm's long off the tee. He can handle those par fives. Justin Thomas, again, another another guy long off the tee, good on approach can handle those par fives, but the par fours are where someone's going to lose a tournament. So you want to find guys who are really good on par fours, maybe on scoring average, maybe not as much birdie or better, but guys who are going to avoid mistakes on those par fours because you can really lose this tournament by going two over, three over on one individual hole. So it's not necessarily you're looking at birdie or better. You're almost looking at you're almost fading bogey or worse, guys. Yeah, like, like for example, like par five, I'm doing birdie or better, but par four, it's almost completely scoring average. I, I just, bogey avoidance was in my model. Three putt avoidance was also in my model. The greens at Augusta are really tricky. They're going to be fast this year, faster than they were in November. I want guys who, when they get on the green, they're not going to be three putting. I mean, that's where you're going to, you're going to lose 
so many strokes of the field in general, if you're just on the green with a chance at birdie and it turns into a bogey, that that's something that like, and, and for a better, it drives you crazy. If you're watching on shot tracker, if you're watching in general and you're just watching your guy, just lose a tournament on the green. It's just the most frustrating thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now let, let's go back into specifics. Now we talked about this last week or not last, last time we had you on about uh, guys to fade. Are there any specific guys you're fading here at Augusta with the masters? Yeah. The two guys come to my mind right away. First one being Harris English. Uh, you can actually find Harris English in a matchup against Mark Leishman where Leishman's the underdog. I don't really like English because since the start of 2021, yes, he got his first win in six years or whatever. But since the start of 2021, the calendar year, he's lost strokes in every single major category. He just hasn't been playing well. And you come into a course like Augusta, it favors the guys who've played well recently and have played well here in the past. And the only time he's also played here, it's been a miscut. Uh, I'm way off on Harris English. Uh, Another guy who I'm not as heavy on as some people might be would be Lee Westwood. He got a lot of traction after back-to-back runner-up finishes in the Florida Swing. He, he doesn't win on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he's won internationally, but he hasn't won on the PGA Tour in over 10 years. This isn't really the place for someone like that to break back out. Uh, I'm off on him. And then Billy Horschel is another guy. Sam mentioned John Rahm being the biggest head case. You can make an argument that Billy Horschel is right there with him, if not worse. Billy Horschel, he had a, he's had a decent little... He just won the, the match play, but... He hasn't really been playing well. That's the thing. Like he had played well at the players, but outside of that, he hasn't really been playing too well overall. So I think because of that recent win, people are seeing him like he, oh, maybe he's gonna be do better this week because he just won. I, I'm I'm not really with that on him. Horschel's like a head case, like where he's just talking to himself as he plays. Like John Rom's more of the I'm gonna snap and like kill somebody or like my caddy. But yeah, Horschel, like he didn't even play well in the last round of the match play. So I, I don't see the momentum carrying over. I also uh, like credit to me for being big brain and telling you guys that, that I did not like how Horschel played last week. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, say that Mark and me, Spider-Man meme, we're on the same page here, but we kind of are. We kind of are. Um, going forward, like, like look at John Rahm. You, we, we've talked about him kind of extensively so far. You mentioned the baby. Over the next month, take the Masters out of it. Does the baby bring him back to earth, or it, it, does it amplify the the the, the uh, what's it called the the, the head casedness? I guess of John Rom. John Rom. Pent up aggression is what I would use. Yeah, I, I think he might after this event. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him kind of just take a little bit of a, a break for a couple of weeks. Um, I think because he just had the kid. Got that out of the way before the Masters. He can go out there, try to win this week. And after that, I think he's going to probably spend some family time. Um, there, I mean, at this point in the season now, you've kind of been building up all season for this spot in the season. Once it's over, he can kind of take that that break. And maybe taking a break and having a child might give him a different mental perspective. Maybe it, maybe it cools him down a little bit. But with him, you never really know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big back to confirm sex haver recently we've seen it with Carson Wentz it doesn't pay off a lot of times where their head just isn't in it anymore so I don't know I might avoid the confirmed sex haver now Rory, Rory hasn't won a major since he's had a kid just saying 
Another golfer <laughs> that's made headlines this week, Brooks Kepka, uh, announcing that he will be playing in the Masters. What do you think of Kepka's chances? I mean, we've seen him play well in majors before. Do we see him coming back from the injury and having an impact on this tournament? Or do you think it's just going to be a thanks for coming out Thursday, Friday, see you Saturday? Yeah, I mentioned him in the article I wrote on Breakdown earlier today. And I said, if there's one golfer who's going to go out there and win the Masters on one leg, it's 100% going to be Brooks Kepka. I think he's kind of been building up this injury a little bit too. I think his ego is probably one of the biggest egos on tour. And if he were to win this week, everybody's going to know about it for forever. I think he actually does have a legitimately good chance. If he didn't think he could contend, I don't think he would play. I think he's playing because he really thinks he has a chance at winning this. And if he does, it just builds into his legacy that he's built himself. Flu game. We're getting a flu game, but uh, an no, ankle no, no. injury or leg injury? No, we're getting 08 Masters or 08 U.S. Open. Jordan can play on uh, food poisoning, but, I mean, no golfer has ever won a major other than Tiger without or on like a torn ACL and broken leg. Okay, so – Half unit? Is it worth it? I mean, I think it depends on what price you can get on him. I, I saw a couple of books out in Las Vegas. They they were putting up a 40 on him. If you could get the 40, yeah, by all means. The the 25s that I was seeing on him gave me a little bit of pause. I wouldn't be surprised if he won. I, I wasn't on him when he won at Waste Management when the, the entire golf world was. So maybe I'm doing the golf world a favor right now by not going back to him if you think he's got a chance this week. But I wouldn't be completely bullish on him, but I just wouldn't be surprised if he if he showed up. Okay, I like it. I like that a lot. Um, I think I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna throw a half unit on. Is there uh, is there is there more value in it than uh, to do like a top ten or top twenty type bet for him? Because he always do, he does always play well in majors. So, I mean, I'm the seeing only- like right now I'm looking at it and all of his like uh, his top ten and top twenty are at plus odds. Yeah, I would say the only thing that scares me with that is if come Saturday, come Sunday, he's not really in it. He can he can pull WD and say it's my leg was hurting me, so he doesn't hurt that. If he's doing well, it's going to be like how great I am, like I'm able to overcome this injury. If he's not playing well, he might do the the withdrawal just to save face a little bit. So that that's where I'd be a little bit concerned with it. I'd almost rather play, you know, go all in. He's going to win this week, or if he doesn't, he doesn't. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I have I have one for Mark. Um, go for so it. all all the like in your article you did like a profile for the top thirty players. Each of the guys in the top five are all like around twelve or nine to twelve to one, and then Colin Morikawa is like thirty two to one. What's the deal with that? You know, I I don't understand why he doesn't get priced the way the amount of times he wins. He's played in like 44 total events or something like that. And he's won four times and he gets priced at thirties. I mean, if you just auto bet the 30, every time you see it, you're going to make money on him. He, he's the best approach player in the world. I mean, Augusta is a true second shot golf course. I'm the one thing that scares me the most with him is that course experience is pretty important at Augusta. And it's because of how tricky the greens are. You need to know where the right places to miss are. And Colin is not a good putter by any means. So if he gets a little bit stuck at Augusta on the greens, can't really figure out what he's doing, where he's going, you might see him just lose so many strokes to the field with the flat stick. All right, so it's funny you say that. I'm literally – I just put my half unit on Brooks. 
and I'm looking at uh, Colin Morikawa, and it's the plus 30 that you mentioned. <sighs> mm, I don't know. I mean, you can say he's only played in 44 events, but he talks like he's played in 400. Like he's, he's maybe the most tw- mature 24-year-old in the world or however old he is. He, yeah, he I, sounds like he's played with like Tiger and has all this course knowledge and everything whenever you hear him talk. Yeah, and the one thing I mentioned in the, in that little profile for him was that in the events that he has won, he has shown a really mature level of knowing when to be patient and when to be aggressive. And at Augusta, that's that's the key thing. You have to know what holes a par is a good score and what holes you, you can make birdie on where the pin location is. You're not really attacking the pin as much as you're attacking the green. And the thing that scares me with Morikawa is just if he gets on the wrong spot on the green, you might see a three putt, a four putt, a five putt even. So that that's where I'm going to get caught up with Morikawa. But again, I mean, like he he has played so well in major events in WGCs. I, I don't think the 31, 32 on him is justified at all. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I learn every time I come on. You come on, Mark. I love it. I love it. When you look at the par three contest, obviously not a uh, a terribly serious serious event, but it's something that's so fun about Masters Week every year. At least to me, do you enjoy the par three contest? Yeah, I mean, it, it sets the tone for the week. It kind of gets gets you the, the master's juices flowing, gets everybody ready for the, the tournament to come. If you were to have this bet on the on the sheet in front of you and everything was even odds across the board, give me a guy who, who's going to drop an ace in the uh, in the par three contest. Yeah, so I don't have like any like real hard stats to back this up. It's just kind of going off of what I've seen recently. Oh, yeah, it's 100% and a gut feel question completely random but someone like brian Harmon comes to mind i don't know why you know lefties have done well here in the past just in general and he something about him i i don't know why i feel like he can just get really lucky and just like a random thing like that would happen to a guy like brian Harmon. interesting that's a that's a i had a short joke come to mind but i'm i'm with i'm not saying it do it coach no nope do it short kings unite let's go i mean he he's like five six He, he fits well on the on the par three course Hello. Sorry. That was I have day. one more for like the the actual tournament as opposed to the par three. Does Bryson this is more of a fun? Does Bryson shoot par sixty seven? I, I don't think so. I, I mean he made that comment last year and then he got so quickly humbled by the golf gods. I think I even mentioned in the article that Bernard Langer finished better than him last year. I mean the sixty three year old guy finished better than Bryson last year. I love that. Uh, the only thing cut, I, I will say, he? though, is – no, he ended up making the cut, like, the very oh, end. Oh, it was, like, on the push. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the one thing that he's learned from that is he can still bomb and gouge without completely overpowering the course. He can just take advantage of the course. So the one thing that with Augusta that's kind of weird is that it measures just under 7,500 yards – but the way that the fairways are are grown, they're grown against the grain of the greens. So carrying distance is a lot more important than actual true driving distance because you're not going to get the bump and runs when you hit the fairway. So if Bryson can kind of dial back a little bit with the bomb and gouge and just let me try to hit it straight, I can still carry it farther than everybody else on tour, and I'm still getting a leg up on the field. If he can just kind of play within himself a little bit more than what he did in November, I think he has actually got a really good chance to to do the par 68 that he, he said. I hope I hope he misses the cut because n- there was nothing funnier than him just like 
double dropping doubles everywhere after coming out that hot saying it was a par 67. I actually looked at his missed cut number today. It was like plus 620, I want to say, on FanDuel or DraftKings. It's almost like he's more likely to win this tournament at plus 950 than he was to miss the cut. And I was like, that kind of doesn't seem right. Like I, he almost missed the cut last year. I don't. I, if I'm going to bet this tournament, I'm not betting Bryson. I'd almost be more inclined to bet the plus 620 there than to bet the plus 950 on him to win. Do you think it might have to do with weather, like in the ball kind of popping a little bit more in the spring slash warmer weather than it did in November last year? I think it has to do with he just won recently and he followed up with another second place finish. So I think his his current form is really good. He's been playing really well golf. I, I just think he's so he's also a guy who who's a little bit mental with his game. He he tries to tinker with everything and he kind of tries to outsmart everybody. I think if he outsmarts himself too much this time around, it's gonna be the same result as last time. Oh boy, is he mental. Oh boy. Oh boy, is he mental. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's talk props for the Masters. Uh, are there any specific props? You gave us the absolute heater of balls in the water. Uh, what else are you looking at? Uh, so top debutante this time around, I'm a Wills Altor's guy. Uh, somehow I found a way to not bet on him for top debutante. It's actually Robert McIntyre. He's been playing really good golf. He's a lefty, and we've seen that lefties play well. Mickelson's won a couple of times. Bubba's won a couple of times. Plus 250 on Bobby Mack, I thought was pretty good, kind of under-the-radar play. I think Salatoris and Carlos Ortiz were priced above him, and I thought he could be almost level par with, it, with those guys. I got one. Uh, hole 16, one, hole in one. It's at plus odds. It, it seems like every Sunday there's just like one random flash to a hole in one on 16. It's the most likely of any of the par threes. Just take it, have some fun, win some plus money. I got zero props uh, placing this weekend because I have did zero research. I'm more looking at Mark's article for guys to fade because I don't know. I have more fun watching a guy self-destruct than once I see one of my guys three putts to what Mark was alluding to. It's the most frustrating thing because if he's doing something I'm doing, just uh, just grinds my gears big time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mark, anything else to close on? Any any uh, any good uh, any good extra plays uh, for us? No, just one guy we didn't really talk about too much uh, that I'm that I'm on outright was Paul Casey. He's forty to one, and I'm pretty sure at one point last year he might have been the first round leader. I don't know why that's in my head. I feel like he was, but his iron game has been just so good since he came back stateside. He won on the European Tour in January. And then he came stateside, and he's played five events with four top tens. I mean, he's just been been streaking for, you know, he's peaking at the right moment. Augusta is a place where I think it suits his the way that he plays pretty well. And then I also did a bunch of, like, trend research on, like, random trends that the former winners have, have had. So, like, you mentioned 18 of the last 20 winners were inside the top 30 of the official World Golf Rankings. 12 of the last 13 winners have recorded a top 30 finish or better at Augusta within the last four years prior to their victory. And 17 of the last 20 winners recorded a top 15 finish in one of their three most recent appearances. So one of their most three recent events. And Paul Casey hit all three of those. So Interesting. Interesting. So so Casey, Rom, um, and, and I'm going to go Morikawa and Kepka. That's that, those. That's going to be my ticket for, this, for the weekend. I'm so excited for that. Um, Mark, as always, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I can't wait to, to uh, 
you know, have you back on next major uh, golf bets one one on Twitter. Thank you so much, Mark. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Best of luck. Big shout out to Mark once again, giving us everything that we need to know going into the weekend as I did it. I, I mean, I, 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 I tra- tailed him. I tailed him as, as we recorded the interview and then I got beat up during the national championship betting. And it makes me think that now all those bets are going to go horribly wrong because as Sam loves to point out, I am the biggest mush. I am, I am betting all the guys that Mark suggested that you did not bet. You're probably going to win. You're probably going to bring home some money this weekend. And I'm happy <laughs> to do that for you because you're my friend and I love you. But MLB opening weekend, Sam, Try to contain your excitement, and me and Rex will talk about it. All right. I'll, I'll do my best, but I mean, I think I'm falling asleep just the thought of it. Wow. Opening yes. weekend. Can, I know I'm not the biggest baseball nut, but it didn't get you going a little bit with grilling the dogs. The weather was nice. It felt like I should be at a ballpark. I, getting, I, uh, I did. I did beat the sun. I went and got a pack first of balls. First of all, you and me need to stop tempting the sun. I okay. I beat the sun because I did. I did Sam, day drinking pick all your weekend. Words carefully here. I'm telling you, I did day drinking all weekend, and then I got a pack of brats and hot dogs. The sun, and the cold weather did not stop me from grilling out on opening day. Day game dogs were a success. Oh, so you did watch baseball? I had it on for the first pitch, and then enjoyed my hot dogs uh, watching uh, Seinfeld. Wow. Sports car taken away, puts on the rerun of Seinfeld's I fucking hate you, dude. Dude, it was the Yankees. What do you want me to do? Sit through that crap? I don't like the Yankees. That's okay. I, maybe I, I don't. I'm not gonna say hate. I hate's a strong <laughs> word, but man alive, you irritate the piss out of me. <laughs> I watched the Dodgers game a little bit. That was better. I could watch them. I can't watch the Yankees. Okay. Um, <laughs> Rex, good weekend for your fills, huh? Yeah, even better Monday night, 4-0, top of that NL East. We're we're crushing it. The bullpen's actually showing some sort of life, so it's just going to come crashing down pretty hard from here. Yeah. Um, my Indians got beaten up as where we slipped to 1-3 with a loss to the Royals today. Long season, we'll get it right. Uh, but Castellanos, the Reds versus the Cardinals, we had beef early and There's more of this. I'll watch baseball all the time. That's fine. And here's the thing. Um, I think a lot of people follow that. But you know who thinks that this is bad for the sport? The guy the in charge. The, the guy in charge. Uh, after the skirmish, Nick Castellano suspended two games. He plans to appeal. I mean, how do we feel about this thing as a whole? Well, I mean, if you get hit in the back and then you're, you're totally – like for. I, don't, I didn't see what happened before that, I guess, uh, or before the, I guess, intentional hit. But mm-hmm. av- him sliding into home and, like, flexing on the dude, absolutely. Love it. Any day of the week. Love to see that. Yadier Molina, get out of here with this, uh, like, stuff. I mean, you have to step up for your guy, I guess, but, like, grow up. It's it, Baseball's moving on. We need to make baseball fun again. If Agreed. It ever, like, so let's let's just do it. Me and Sam agreeing on a baseball take. Who would have seen it coming? 
I'm Rex, trying to get more you... viewers on this. On the, I'm going to get more eyeballs on the TV for baseball. I'm trying to fix baseball. Yeah, he's going very Goodell here, where it's just like he's taking the fun out of the league with the steroids, the home runs. You had all the eyes. You're crushing it. Then it's the dead period that we're in. So the little beefs, it does get well. But what was it? Joey Batista versus Odor was mm-hmm. like one of the previous best beefs that we had. And yeah, both of them are doing real good in their career right now. Yeah, they're both on the couch. Um, the problem with that, with because the the the, the Joey the Joey Bautista uh, roughneck Odor beef, the 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 reason that one like that was kind of before this revolution of baseball, where we see the ba- the make baseball fun again movement, um, and now we're seeing things start to swing in the other direction, and I think. As long as Manfred's at the helm, it's going to continue to be looked down on these things, but the fans are going to love it. So at the end of the day, who cares what the commissioner thinks? But we need a we need a shadow commissioner. I think I just saw baseball. Let Ken let Ken Griffey Jr. be a shadow commissioner. He'll make baseball fun. Then you have Manfred who's out there just being like the face and like having to deal with all the shit that Ken Griffey Jr. doesn't want to deal with. But let Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. deal with, like, on-the-field fun. Just They're all robots as it is already, so you can't Justin. tell me that Goodell, Sterling, Bettman's just a jackass, so we can throw him out of there. He's the asshole robot. But all three of them just function like robots. Just impeach, my man. Honestly, get him out. Get him as far away from the sport as possible. That's really all I got. Tatis, T- Fernando Tatis goes down today, uh, leaves the game with an injury. Uh, hopefully it's not serious. I would guess he goes to the 10 day DL. I don't think he misses too, too much time, but I'm speaking about two hours after the injury. So uh, last time I, I tried to, to speculate on something that was happening tonight, it was Francisco Lindor's contract. I said it wasn't happening. And then as I was editing the pod, it was like, Oh, he signed his contract and my comments. Mush. Big mush. Tommy mush. Tommy mush in the house. Um, <laughs> But is Joe Hay gonna do something for the whole season, or was last night his one good game of the whole year, or well, so two nights should, ago? So yeah, let's talk about Shohei Otani because he goes out on uh, Sunday night, goes out absolutely, throws well, hits a home run. At at one point, he held the the hardest hit home run of the season and the hardest thrown pitch of the season. Um, Two way players are fucking awesome. They're so rare. It's so much fun. Uh, the question for him is, can he stay healthy? And we saw it rear its ugly head later in the game. He leaves the game after uh, being slid into when covering home. Joe Madden comes out and says it was general soreness. It wasn't uh, necessarily. He wasn't. Re- he would have been removed anyway is basically what, we, what they said. That even if he didn't get slid into, they would have come and got him after that, that at-bat anyway because of his pitch count. I don't buy that as far as I can throw it, but – they're saying he's okay is basically the point here. Is he going to do it all season? He's a fragile dude. I don't think he does it all season, but I think that when he's 100%, this is the stuff that we can expect from him. Seems like you're going to keep like the the training wheels on him for forever and just never just let him just go full all, all out. But that's kind of what the Angels never being in contention. Yep, and that's kind of exactly it. It's kind of embarrassing that you're supposed to have this like top five baseball player of all time, and then Shohei Otani has one good night, and he's more marketable than Mike Trout. 
speech. You got to, to, to quote you. You got me in a box here, dude. I mean, it, I I understand baseball. I understand all the problems that baseball has. I'm trying to fix it. If baseball was fun, I would okay, watch then, it all the time. Then, then I'm trying market, to fix it. How do you market Mike Trout then? Make him do stuff. Don't let him just sit back in L.A. Make him do stuff. He's like basically what? he goes to Eagles games. That's about uh, it. That doesn't count. Make him be your your face of your like freaking. He's league. on subway commercials, isn't he? You're muted. Those have guy. a good track record. I missed the first part of your comment. I said those You're have a, those have a good track record. Jam can't solve baseball like he solved golf. He I also go basketball. back to the drawing board, hit the think tank, get the whiteboard, start throwing ideas up there on the idea board, and get, come I back solved, to it. I saw we'll Baylor's coaching group. staff tonight too. Like, make all your shots, make them miss all your shots, win the game. They they drew it up to a T. I'm not gonna lie, I'm surprised you haven't been hired as the new North Carolina coach with fucking Roy Williams retiring. Phone's open. I mean, just hit my phone. I'll make them go to real classes, though. They probably don't want me. They probably don't want you. I don't want you. All right, let's pair a troll with those boys. Um, I'll lead off. The Indians stink. And they were billed as this awesome team. Not awesome, but they were billed that the pitching was going to be incredible. The, the Blah, blah, blah. They go out. They've scored nine runs, maybe ten, 10 runs in three, in four games. Nine of them were in one game. I, the Indians stink. It's going to be a long summer. I thought we'd get this sort of Tommy, but I didn't think we'd get it four games in the season. They stink, you sound like a Mets bro. fan. No, Mets fans have great opening days, and it's just a constant downfall from there. I feel like that was a Francisco Lindor joke. I can't let that go unpunished. I can't let that go unpunished that I think Sam just made a Francisco Lindor joke at me. No, you said the same thing about the Mets. They have a good weekend, and then they just cancel the season the next week. I mean, you've canceled the season. I guess you've canceled the season a week earlier. You beat the Mets fans. Lindor, come back. They're still going to play 162. I'm not canceling the season. I'm just saying that it is going to be a chore to sit through 162. Fold the franchise? No, because we're rebranding next year, and I want to figure out what the new hat looks like. <laughs> and then if the hat sucks, fold the franchise. Maybe. You never know. Who are you guys trolling this week? Rexy, you got anybody? Yeah, I'm trolling myself here. So, getting all hype, getting back into the pitch, getting into the footy. I was getting distracted by college basketball for a little bit. Felt good about the gambling weekend on Linebreakers FC. Proceed to go 0-5 in all five bets, lost by one goal. So, welcome back. Very humbling. Was having a great time at 10 in the morning each day. Mm-hmm. Who is your team? Uh, Inter Milan in Syria. How do you – okay, Syria. How do you How do you land on a team? I, I've tried to get into footy. I've tried to get into Premier League. I, I just – I don't feel a connection to any team. And so it's hard for me to get into the sport when I'm like that. Yeah, my best friend, his dad's off the boat, and they're a diehard AC Milan fan. So when I used to go over as a kid and watch the games, I just naturally picked the rival because I'm an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) For the Premier League, that's like the same way I was with you, where I I just found a team that just played a cool style and like the way that I liked watching it. So that's where I landed on Wolves to like them. But – there's no strong, very strong feelings there. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Sam, what about you? Who are you trolling? Um, I got two. One's a quick one. DraftKings users. Uh, so the last and final four game and tonight, DraftKings had a, I think it was Gonzaga won by 10 plus on Saturday night, boosted to plus 100. Max bet at $25. DraftKings tonight had a bet Gonzaga plus four and a half boosted to plus 100. Damn. Max bet $25. So, I mean, I would have lost so much more had they not capped it, but DraftKings made so much money on that. So Yeah, they made so much money on that. <laughs> I think they said they limited like the uh, one on Saturday to 50,000 people, and now it's just like a quick uh, 1.25 million. So. Nice job for DraftKings. Just put a shiny toy out there. It's like, ooh, this is what the real market value is. We'll give it to you at a discount. Gets us to get the uh, handle that we took in this weekend up by 1.2 million. The win, 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 except for your uh, wallet. Yeah, my wallet's hurting after those two. Uh, And then today I decided to be healthy. It was a nice 75-degree day, going a little outdoor jog. And I was running in my apartment complex. Hit the hit the corner of the sidewalk where it meets the grass and rolled my fall. ankle. I didn't <laughs> fall, but I rolled my ankle, and I was it was just like it was like second lap in. I was like, okay, this is what I get for trying to be healthy. Just go back to being fat slob like I've been on in March. Did you ice it? Is it swollen? No, I didn't ice it. Is it swollen? No. Does it hurt to walk? Are you headed to the no. injured list? No, I'm not going to. Are you listening? It's questionable for Sunday. Sam just found the perfect excuse to stop moving and take a week off or two weeks off and try to get back at it again later. But don't worry, he's still going to make his 3:30 tea time tomorrow. No, 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 no 3:30 tea time tomorrow. It's Masters Week where all the golf is on the screen. No, no golf in real life. Why? I don't know. I just, I just like I watch golf channel. I I gotta save all my good golf energy for my bets. Dude, I, I live with a woman. Like I, I have, I have only so much time allotted for golf each week. So I can't waste any. It's Masters week. I can't waste any time out on the course. Sam versus the sun. He's going inside after coming out his throat earlier. <laughs> Sam, Sam rolled his ankle once and is never going to step foot outside again. He's going to be like Howie from Bench Warmers. Give me the sunscreen, oh. man. <laughs> That's it for tonight. We're out. Until next time. See ya. There you are. You're ready for your life. You're a shooting star. All those years, no one knows. Just how hard you work. But now it shows that one shining moment inside in one shining moment you knew you were alive feel the beat of your heart feel the wind in your face it's more than a contest it's more than a race It's done. Wait.